Well, we've got plenty of time to, um, to spend in the Word this morning. Left. I kind of squeezed us last, last service, kind of got caught up in, in your presence, which isn't a bad place to get caught up. Um, I'd just like to uh, share with you two special things that we brought with us today for you that um, we've never had before. And one of them is my daughter, daughter-in-law, but I really don't like the in-law stuff. Um, I've known her since she was six, and her husband, my son, youngest son, was named for her father. One of those strange things that happens, you know. But anyway, Sharon's first CD uh, is available called Mercy Calling. Uh, one of the finest producers in Nashville produced this with her. And I think next to my music, it's the best on the planet. (laughs) So that is, um, where's that little drummer? Did, did, Haley? Did she leave with her mom? She just walked, Haley! (laughs) I thought I saw her. Haley! I really loved I've been standing in front of her mom the last two services. Yes, Lord! Yay! I love that. So I had to meet her, and then winds up that her husband plays bass, her daughter plays the drums, and, and I love her spirit. So did she get away? Yeah, he has a concert to play this afternoon, so they told me they had to leave. Anyway, that's for her. Would you give that to her? Thank you. I got one for you, too, so you don't have to steal that. <laughs> Last October the 1st, um, we had our team in Israel for the Feast of Tabernacles. The Lord told us four years ago, gather a grateful remnant out of the nations and bring them. Can take care of that, that little ring that's going on up there? Thank you. Um, and gather a grateful remnant, bring them to the land. Now, there's a difference between a remnant and a grateful remnant. How many of you are really grateful for Jesus today? So there's, there's a difference between being blessed and knowing that you're blessed. There's a difference between being saved and really glad that you're saved. Some folks have to tell their faces that they're really glad they're saved. None of you, of course. You, you all look so saved. But uh, anyway, so we took a grateful remnant. About 5,000 people showed up from nearly 100 nations. On the first night of the Feast of Tabernacles, all new music, we had, I don't know if Baptists believe in this or not, we had angelic visitation. Actually, one manifest and healed a Baptist. I know that is pushing some of your theology and your doctrines. <clears throat> this woman, I just have to tell you, this, this woman is so Baptist. She's Baptist. I've known her for years. Things like, you know, lifting hands or anything else beyond that in the spirit just would freak her out. She came to our office one time and our intercessors were there and prayed for her. I'm telling you, it took me two months of counseling on the phone every day to get her settled down. Well, Paul, I just, I've, I've never experienced this before, and, it, and I, I haven't been taught these things, and it's, it's so uncomfortable for me. I, I just, I'm a Baptist. I said, that's okay. It's a good place to start. God can still get you saved, even if you're a Baptist. That's for you. Anyway, that's where, that's where she was coming from. She came, brain cyst, deaf in left ear. She came with two unsaved Israelis who she's working with anyway. There she was in the midst of the 5,000 people. I just felt impressed to have a season of healing. I mean, the presence of God was so wonderful. Here we are in the desert of En Gedi. I'm looking at the mountains where King David ran and hid from Saul. I'm, behind me is the Dead Sea. 
Just down to my back is Masada, where every uh, Israeli goes through the army and takes the pledge to the nation up on top of that mountain. It, it's just, you have to experience it. To, right in the midst of that, she's sitting there worshiping, and an angel appeared. She sent me the whole testimony. I know an angel appeared because she told me. Glowing gown, sash. The two unsaved Israelis saw this being, wanted to know what is going on. Walked over to her, put his hand on the side of her head where the cyst was growing and her ear was deaf and said, God is now healing you and then disappeared. I love that stuff. I love that stuff. So what happens? Well, her ear opens up. And then she goes back after the feast to um, where she lives in Columbus, Ohio, and went back to the hospital that had all the MRIs and the pictures of the cyst and the deafness, and they did more pictures and said, gone. I love that stuff. We serve a God. Poke somebody next to you and tell them, we serve a God that does stuff. That's who he is. He does stuff. He heals the sick. He feeds multitudes. He raises the dead. He does stuff. He sends angels on assignment to assist us. Listen, if Paul and Silas can have angels helping them, what, what are we, chop liver? Why can't we have angels helping us? Why does it just have to be in the Bible? Why can't it be reality? These are not bedtime stories for children to make them feel good. These are not just things to preach at funerals to make us feel better. This is the real deal. When we pray, mountains should move. When we praise, heaven should be present because our God inhabits the praises of his people. Not the little happy, clappy stuff that you're just singing because somebody made you or someone's watching you. No, because it's coming from your heart. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Because your heart has been cut with the knife of his covenant. Because Jesus has done something very real in your life. And you just can't help yourself. That's Sister Cindy. I call her Sister Praise now. Where was I going? Oh. And so the new CD uh, that, we, that we recorded that night, um, without angels, we can't get them in the music for some reason, uh, is available in October. But I convinced Integrity to allow us, we've taken four of our favorite songs from that night, pressed it to a new CD, along with eight minutes of professional video um, some video from the night. No angels got on that either. I'm sorry. Um, I would love to have interviewed that angel. That would have been so cool. So uh, what's your name and uh, what are you doing here? <clears throat> Could have had my own TV show like that. Angels on assignment or something. Anyway, these are available out in the foyer. Um, and the four songs in the video is $10. If you would like to pay $20 instead... This is a Jewish ministry, after all. Um, and you fill out one of these cards, then you can take this today, leave the bottom half with us, and when the new CD is released, we'll send it to you postage paid. So that's kind of a deal. And um, that way you get to hear it uh, as it's just before it's being released. So that, those are available to you. In fact, um, you need one of those. You might even want to use some of these songs here. Nice. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you are a God who does incredible things.
Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the word that you've spoken over it. I thank you, Lord, for the things that you have already prepared in advance to do here. I thank you, Lord. We, we delight in who you are today. Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5. 2 Samuel chapter 5. And let's look at uh, verse 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. Notice that the Philistines weren't interested in David until he'd been anointed. The enemy is not interested in who you are unless you're carrying an anointing because the anointing destroys yokes. I met a Baptist 33 years ago who was carrying an anointing in evangelism. And when I met this guy, I immediately wanted to get saved. The enemy's not interested in you. He's after the anointing of God in your life. The anointing is the equipment. The anointing is the empowering. The anointing is the power of God that resides inside of every believer who says, Jesus, be Lord of my life. He anoints you with his spirit. He cuts his covenant into the tablet of your heart and you belong to him. He even inscribes his name upon you. You don't have to be concerned in the last days about the mark of the beast. What is it? What's the number? What's the meaning of it? It has nothing to do with you. In fact, there's no room on your forehead for anything because you've already been marked with the name of the Lord. He's inscribed your name on the palm of his hand. You belong to him. So I don't really like to spend any time in conferences on the number of the beast and the whore of Babylon and all the rest of that stuff because they have nothing to do with me. God has placed them and their power and their names and their numbers under my feet where they belong. Amen. And that's all we need to know about that. Therefore, we can go into mainland China. Therefore, we can go to Muslim nations, which we have and are continuing to do, to proclaim the gospel. I'm waiting for the opportunities to come from Afghanistan and from... Um, oh, name one, uh, Azerbaijan. It just, you know what? It's just another place on the earth with a, with a border around it and men who think that they're smarter than God. But the Lord has opened up so many incredible doors for us. I was telling the first service that um, at last Thanksgiving, we were in Dubai and Kuwait, invited by the government. Go figure. Why would a Muslim nation invite a Messianic Jewish ministry to come and sing to their people and tell them about Yeshua, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Why would they do that? Because they're not in control. That's why. They think they're in control. They act like they're in control. But the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he can turn it any way he wants. And so last Thanksgiving, the Lord opened the door in Dubai, gave us the, the National Tennis Stadium downtown Dubai, and 5,000 people came to hear about Jesus. We led the whole stadium in a salvation prayer. I mean, right out loud in front of Allah and everybody else. Yeah, hallelujah. And then the next couple days after that, we went to Kuwait, five acres of land covered with people. We had volume wars with the mosque next door that didn't like what they were hearing. They kept cranking up the volume. But we had bigger speakers and we had more power. And at the end of that evening, I invited people there to come to know the power of this God that we were singing about. So many hundreds of hands went up, we had nowhere to put them. So we prayed with them right where they were until I was leaving the, the compound, five acres. And as I was leaving, they gave me a security force. Apparently, they figured I needed security. 
I didn't feel insecure. And, but they wanted me to have security. So they had jackets on. They had a little thing stuck in their ear and a little curly cue coming down. Looked very, very White House, very secure. And about eight of them surrounded me. And afterwards, they took me off the platform because there were so many people. And we did this, put me in the middle, and they surrounded me. And we went like this through the crowd. When a young Muslim man came shouting at me through the crowd, Paul! I'm a Muslim from Lebanon, came running towards us, broke through the security and put my head in an arm lock. The security team immediately snapped to full force and went. (laughs) They were sharp. I felt so secure. So I'm looking around and this guy's got me in a headlock, a full, full Nelson. He's shouting, I'm a Muslim from Lebanon. And I'm thinking, hello, Jesus, here I come. Right back where I started from. And then he says, but now I have Jesus in my heart. I said, hallelujah for that. Amen. God's amazing. Now we're getting invitations from Beirut. Tehran, I could go inspect those rods that they're enriching, see if it's really good stuff or not. And this last week, we've been given the Karl Marx Theater in Havana, Cuba. You know, what? what we've been prepared over the last eight years, we've recorded more CDs in Spanish than English, Because the Lord spoke to me eight years ago and he said, now is the time for the Hispanics and you need to prepare to minister to them. So for the last eight years, we've done nine. We're about to go to Quito, Ecuador next week and do our 10th CD in Spanish so we can minister to those people, not in English, in the language that they speak. This year, we're creating a new CD in Hebrew to give to the worship leaders in Israel because guess what language they sing in Israel? Hebrew? That's correct. Hebrew. We were in Germany three weeks ago, maybe it's been a month ago now, with Heidi Baker and uh, Dr. Michael Brown from Pensacola. Maybe some of you know those names. Heidi Baker, she and her husband have an amazing ministry. Planted over 3,000 churches in Mozambique in the last 10 years. Raised over 300 from the dead. You know, they they don't go to church planting seminars on how to plant churches. You know how they do it? They take their team. They go out into the bush. They find a village that's never heard about Jesus. They find a dead person and raise them from the dead and start a church. Now, there's a good way to do it. They do what the witch doctor can't do. And then they say, Jesus is stronger than the witch doctor. And then the witch doctor says, you right. (laughs) And then he gets saved. And then the whole village gets saved. 300. It's not a fluke thing. These people, I tell you, I have to tell you, I was a little intimidated, you know, being with her. And, you know, because power is power. I love that stuff. I love it when angels show up. I love hearing. Do you know that Muslim clerics are getting saved now because Jesus is showing up in their bedrooms at night? Doing the Damascus thing. Why are you persecuting me? Well, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. You remember Paul on the road to Damascus? These Muslims are experiencing the same thing. I met a Jewish believer yesterday from Israel who's had several visitations that convinced her that Jesus is the Messiah. Now she and her husband are going back to Israel and they're going back to their families there and they're going back to to preach the good news. Something happens when you encounter the real Jesus, not the storybook Jesus, not the one that you've heard about, but the one who you have met and changed your life. Something happens. It changes you from a churchgoer to a believer. It turns you from a 
religious person to somebody that does the works of the one who recreated you. Okay, let's go back to this. The anointing. So the Philistines are after the anointing of of David. But David heard about it, and he went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord. That's a good thing to do. Shall I go attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord answered him, Go, for I will supply I will surely hand the Philistines over to you. So David went to Baal Perazim, which means the Lord breaks out. As the waters break out, um, and David went out and defeated them, the Lord as the, sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting excited. And when I do that, I start reading words that aren't there. Here we go. So David went to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Perazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols, and David and his men carried them off. I made a footnote. They should have burned them. You should have burned them. Okay, let's read on. Once more the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, and he answered, Do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the balsam trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, move quickly, because that will mean that the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. And so David did as the Lord commanded him. There is this thing about breakout. I believe that we are on the verge of it right now. Now, as a nation, I believe a line has been drawn in the sand. Remember what happened when the Korah rebellion was going on in Israel? And Moses, they wanted to kill Moses and go back to Egypt because they liked the, the slave pits for some reason. They wanted the, the, the surety of the, of the food and whatever that was, but they were going to kill Moses. So Moses drew a line in the sand and he said this, Now you've got to choose. All those who are for the Lord, come and stand over here with me. And about half of Israel did. The other half stayed with the rebellion. The earth opened up and swallowed them alive. Elijah, standing on top of the mountain in uh, in Israel, there on Mount Carmel, says to Israel in 1 Kings 18, it's time to choose. If the Lord is God, then we must worship him. But if these Baals are your gods, then worship them. But he said, Israel, you must choose. America, it's time to choose. Now is the time. We must choose now. I believe that our nation is being weighed in a balance, and I can't even go into that today. But I believe that we have come to a place where God has drawn a line in the sand and said, America, it's time to choose. If I am Lord, then you worship me. Otherwise, you're going the way of the other nations. That terrifies me. It terrifies me. There is a balance. There are two criteria that a nation is weighed by. One is whether it honors the blood of Jesus. Number two is if it honors the blood of the firstborn that have been placed in the nation. That's the nation, the Jewish people, and the nation of Israel. We may get to that in another hour or two. Amen or oh my. Listen, I only get here every couple of years, so I didn't come to just give you a couple of songs and a poem and run off for lunch. I came here because I believe God is doing something special here. I've been coming here longer than most of you. How many of you have been coming for 15 years to this church? 20 years. Okay, I've been coming longer than almost all of you. Amen. And I'm not even a Baptist. But a Baptist did lead me to Jesus. I think I told you that. One of them born-again, spirit-filled, can't-keep-his-mouth-shut Baptists who encountered Jesus and just can't be quiet. But America, we have come to a place where we must choose. Um, This is called interim 
and, and midterm elections. I'm not talking about donkeys, and I'm not talking about elephants. I'm talking about horses, the horse on which the rider with his robes dipped in blood rides. It's time for us to choose. If we are one nation under God, if we are not Democrats and Republicans, we are the kingdom of God in the earth. This is not about race, and it's not about politics. It's not about economics. It is about the kingdom of God. America was established by the Spirit of God. We were called to be a nation among the nations. We were called to be a light. We were called to be salt. Our founding fathers established us with prayer, and our Constitution is built on this Bible. In fact, it's even fashioned after the book of Deuteronomy. If you check it out, our Constitution is laid out like the book of Deuteronomy. And I don't have time to go through that today either. But it is time for us to choose. And I say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we have an opportunity to choose now. To choose people who are going to be speaking, who are supposed to speak on our behalf. Who are supposed to represent us, not rule over us. God has called us to reign and rule in this earth. Not to rule over each other, but to rule over creation. Over the birds of the air. We read it the first service. It's on page one. You can read it for yourself of the manual for living. It's on page one. That's what we were created for. Not to rule over each other, to rule over creation and to bring his kingdom. And we have an opportunity. Listen, we have got to be a people that stands, number one, with the blood of Jesus. And number two, with the blood of Israel. God calls them his firstborn. And it's not because I'm a Jew. It's because God has said it. Listen to what he said in Isaiah 41. He said, all those who oppose you, Israel, will be destroyed. Now, the reason this, I'm so passionate about this is because I've watched other nations for so many years, so many years, standing against, first, against the blood of Jesus And secondly, against the blood of the Jewish people that God has placed, scattered in their nations, not as a punishment, but as a testimony of God's faithfulness. That's what the synagogue is in the earth. It is a testimony of God's faithfulness to his word, that when he declares a thing, he watches over it. And he has sustained uh, the, the Jewish people over thousands of years. And he has regathered now since 1948 against all odds. And another miracle, 1967, Jerusalem back in Jewish hands, as Jesus prophesied. And in 2004, the Sanhedrin now reestablished in Jerusalem again, as Jesus prophesied 2,000 years ago, that would be a sign, the very people that have to say to him, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And I don't have time to go into that today either. But the signs are in the earth. And the nations are being judged on how they treat the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, and the firstborn of God. And for the first time in our nation's history, we have been declared to be a post-Christian nation. That upsets me. Because it says to me that from the highest places of government in our nation, we are now setting the blood of Jesus aside And say it has no value for us as a culture, as a nation. And remember the flotilla that happened a couple weeks ago? That whole thing, which I don't have time to go into. If we don't recognize that that was not against a a blockade, that that was directly coming against the sovereignty of the nation of Israel, which was a violation of international law. And for the first time in our history, we voted against the nation of Israel in the United Nations. God help us. We are running so hard for destruction. I I feel like we are a train on a fast track with nobody driving. But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wickedness. Then I will hear from heaven, the Lord says, I will heal their land. Lord, heal our land. Heal our land. But we have to make choices. 
We need to declare. We need to be a bold witness at school, at work, at the grocery store, in the workplace. It, the, the time for mealy-mouthed, sensitive Christians is over. It stinks. If we shrink back at the time when we are most needed, what does that say about who we are? We need to stand and declare that Jesus is Lord over the United States of America. We need to be people who do the stuff of the word. You know, I never would have gotten saved if that guy with his Bible and guitar had been one of these 55 minutes on Sunday morning Christians because I'd seen them all my life and they made no, they were irrelevant. It's just another religious system. They had nothing real inside of them. If they did, it was so hidden, I couldn't see it. It took one of those Sister Cindy praise people carrying an anointing. When that guy sat down and played his guitar, I was sitting like in the fourth row. And he just sang a song, not about God, to God. And I felt like a sledgehammer slapped me upside the head. He was from West Texas. Hardly spoke English. <laughs> Praise the Lord, brother. Lord. I had never heard the word L-O-R-D spoken in three syllables before. Three distinct syllables. He's from the West Texas pan handle. I'm from Boston. We needed an interpreter just to be able to speak. I'm parking my car in the Harvard yard, and he's praise the Lord, brother, wearing cowboy boots. Had a little new covenant stuck in his back pocket, broke the spine on, and every every time I asked him a question, he'd pick up that. And he just flipped through and says, right here, brother, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He was one of those guys that had been so radically saved everywhere we went. You know, at first, of course, before I got born again, he, he was embarrassing. But I liked, I, I, he was just so attractive. It was life that was coming out of him. And I was so dead, I needed life. So I'd go with him to the grocery store and I'd go to him, I'd sit in his living room and, and just listen to him talk to his wife and kids. And I'd listen to him sing and I started playing guitar with, before I was even saved. I'm backing him up on guitar because I just, I wanted to be around this thing. Shoo. Every person we'd meet. I mean, you go through the grocery store and, and you know, of course... The, the person behind there is taking your money and they're scanning the stuff because they didn't scan back in those days. And, um, and they say to you, how are you doing? But they never look up. I mean, it's just, they're just being polite. You know, how are you? You could be John Wayne and they'd, they'd never know it, you know. And he'd, he'd always say, well, ma'am, I'm really blessed today because Jesus has blessed my life. How are you? And I'd go, ugh. that's a little creepy and it's a little religious, isn't it? But the number of people that would, what? He got me. A Baptist with a fishing boat. Bumpus Mills, Tennessee, 33 years ago. I got in the fishing boat and now I wear cowboy boots. And now I've got a little New Testament in my back pocket. And now I can't shut up either. Obvious, right? The Lord answered him, go for I will be with you and I will hand the Philistines over to you. Break through. Three areas, no four, of breakthrough that I want to declare to you this morning that I believe the Lord has prepared for you. Number one, break through in revelation understanding. We, in these days, need to be a people who live by revelation. We cannot operate by natural information. 
because it changes all the time. We need to live by revelation. We need a breakthrough in revelation understanding so that we can hear the voice of God and do what he's told us to do. Number two area of breakthrough is a removal of stones of stumbling, things that are hindering our forward progress. I'm going to pray with you about these things before we finish today. Number two is removing those things that impede our progress. Sometimes people will say to me, you know what? I feel like I'm just, I'm stuck. I'm here and I want to get to there, but I, glass ceilings. Do you ever feel like you keep bumping up, you get so far and then you bump up against something and you don't know what it is? First of all, you need the revelation of what that is. And then we need the breakthrough of breaking through that barrier. I believe this is a season of breakthrough. Greg and I were in a church in Maryland a couple months ago and knew nothing about this. We came out to lead praise and worship. And on the platform was this big professionally made banner point for point of what I'm sharing with you now. And and the pastor, they had made that the beginning of the year. And I said, wow. This is amazing. It's the same thing that God's been showing me. So it's, it's by the Spirit, I know. And then in between services, Pastor and I were sitting up there on the hill. And he said, we're believing for breakthrough. And that's what spurred this for this service. Different from the last one. Because I, I know we are in a place of breakthrough. How many of you believe that you are about to break through in a major area in your life? I, I know that we are in a time of breakthrough. Area number three of breakthrough is in provision. What is necessary for doing what the revelation came to your heart to do? Third area of breakthrough. Fourth area of breakthrough is piercing enemy lines, taking back what the enemy has stolen. But not only what the enemy stole, seven times what he stole. You see, over in his storehouse there, he's not only got your stuff, but he's got the stuff that he took from everybody else sitting over there. And I believe we're in a time of breakthrough, not only to get our stuff back, but just take all the rest of it with you. Areas of breakthrough. First of all, area of revelation. We must live by revelation. I can't tell you the number of people I meet who say, I wish I knew what to do. Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Are I supposed to move there? Are we supposed to do this? But that's not necessarily a bad thing because change can be a good thing. But we need revelation to know how to move ahead. If you need revelation understanding right now in your life, I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you. You're in an area... That you just, you've got to have a revelation in order to move forward. That doesn't have to necessarily mean all of you. Some of you in business, and you need to know what the next step is. You need to know where you need to go. You need to know some of you are going to move into areas of ministry that you've never been in before. Some of you are being challenged with school, work. There can be all kinds of different areas, but you need revelation understanding in order to move forward. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I call for an anointing right now in revelation understanding. The spirit of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Lord, that you would rise up upon us now. Give us ears that hear and give us eyes that see. Revelation understanding. Revelation in the name of Jesus. Come now. Father, send forth your word to my friends. Send forth your revelation word now. Give them light and understanding for the path ahead. Dreams and visions and understanding. Confirmation, Father, for those seeds that you planted 
that they'd spring up now and bear fruit. Spirit of prophecy. Lord, I pray that you'll release now ministering angels carrying the word of the Lord. I thank you for confirmation. I thank you, Father, by the power of your spirit. You break through the darkness, illuminate the way that we should go. Revelation, understanding, a knowing and a knowing and a knowing and a knowing. Lord, that you would glorify yourself through us. That there would come a confidence in walking by the power of your spirit. Revelation. Come. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and have a seat. If you're wrestling against things that have been hindering your progress, it could be people, it could be positions, it could be situations, it could be resources, things that have been hindering your forward progress. Why don't you stand? I want to pray for you. Father, your word declares that in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord orders his steps. I thank you, Lord, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That you remove our foot from the snare of the fowler. In Jesus' name, I rebuke everything that hinders everything that has been placed carefully to hinder the progress of my friends in the name of Jesus, I command you now be removed. Father, I thank you that you give understanding that traps and snares will now be uncovered Nothing hidden that won't be revealed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I thank you that glass ceilings are broken by the name of Jesus. That we are a can-do people because you have given us your spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see large, large boulders, stones being removed from your path to get them out of the way. I see low valleys being raised up and I see craggy high places being brought down, preparing a smooth highway for you to walk upon. Lord, I thank you for removing every hindrance, every hidden thing. Lord, even the temptation that would move on the flesh, that would sideline, that would remove people from from that path. Father, I thank you for revealing those things, those secret snares. I thank you, Lord, that you push down gates of bronze, that you cut through bars of iron, anything that has hindered or blocked your people from moving forward now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. If you are in a place right now where provision is something that is hindering you really from having that breakthrough. Maybe it's funds necessary in your business. Maybe it's the sale of a home. Maybe it's a promotion at work. Whatever it is, if it's provision, I want you to stand. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you are El Shaddai. Hallelujah. You are God of more than enough. I thank you, Lord, that you provide, you give seed for the sower. 
And you could even provide for the taxes of your disciples in the mouth of a fish. Hallelujah. Lord, I declare over my friends that treasures hidden in secret places are now being revealed. I thank you that they have favor in the workplace. Lord, that they are in line for promotion. I thank you for those who have authority over them, that favor is now upon their lives. And people will find themselves doing and giving and sowing things that they never expected to do. I thank you that the anointing that destroys yokes for increase, increase, increase for the kingdom of God, blessed to be a blessing that you would never be without, that on every occasion you may find yourself to be generous because of the provision of the Lord. Father, I thank you for that provision to rest upon these standing right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Would you all stand? Because I think this last one is an area that we've all experienced where the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. That those things, Father, in the name of Jesus, those things that have been taken are now being returned, but not only those, but sevenfold. As you have caused us to be able to penetrate and to break through into the camp of the enemy. Lord, that we will take back what belongs to us in anointing, in authority, in understanding, in peace and joy, in all the things of your spirit. Father, I thank you for a return for all the family of God, that during this time of breakthrough, hallelujah, Lord, I see us clothed in the armor of God with spear and sword holding high the shield of faith, going right into the enemy's camp, taking back what's been taken from us and removing it, being have more, 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 that we might be generous, that we might be generous, that our baskets will be full. Hallelujah. Seed for the sower. Lord, I thank you. All that's necessary for life and for godliness. Lord, we receive it back. We receive it back into our storehouse now. We receive it back into our storehouse. Father, I thank you for this house of worship. And Lord, I declare in the name of Jesus, break through for this house in revelation, understanding, a breakthrough, Lord, in the removing of those things that would hinder its progress, a breakthrough in provision, and a breaking through into the army of the enemy to bring take back all those things that have been taken. Lord, I thank you for the lives of men and women that, that have been, um, that are being restored right now. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for the faces that have been that have been coming to this place for 15, 20 years. I thank you for a restoration in relationships. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that there is none offended. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that this is a house of worship, a house of the Lord, a sanctuary of the living God, a place where people come not just to hear but to do. Hallelujah. A house of worship, a place of worship. These are worshipers of the living God. Father, I thank you for those new buildings. I thank you for those new places of fellowship. I thank you that they're already provided for. Lord, I, I see those, those construction papers stamped, paid in full, paid in full, paid in full. I thank you, Lord, for breaking through in those areas. I thank you for everything that's necessary for this house in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that this is a time of Baal Perazim, the Lord broke out like a water course that you break out before this house. Hallelujah. Break out, O oh Lord. Break out. Break out. Break out. Break out, Lord. Break out. Break out. Break out, Lord. Break out. Break out. Break out in this place. Break forth. 
forth like the like the Hoover Dam. Break forth and sweep away everything in your path. Hallelujah. Let the name of the Lord be glorified. Let the house of the Lord be exalted. Let the people of God be filled with joy and praise. Let the name of the Lord be magnified in all good Tennessee. And all the people said, Amen. Come on, lift up your voice and give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you give me some of this microphone back? Thank you. Praise God. Go ahead and have a seat for just another second. Hallelujah. These are the days of Elijah. And they are times of darkness and sword and all kinds of stuff. But you know what? I've read the last page. And we, we are in a time of such harvest. Such abundance of God. Such a separation between light and dark. All we have to do is open up our mouths and he promises in Psalm 76 to fill our mouths that we would be his testimony in the earth. I, I just want you to hear that um, I, I don't know why, but God has placed you in my heart. We've been coming here, I think, since 1984. Something like that. And um, there have been lots of uh, times that I look back on with, with great, great joy. It was, it was here in this city that Israel's Hope, back in 1990, decided that this was going to be our last meeting that we were doing together. And it was a God thing. It was, um, you know, it wasn't for any lack or, or any problems. It was just we knew that our season was over. I really believe there's an anointing in this city for revelation understanding. You're a small community, all good, and I don't know how many people, 30,000. But listen, Jesus turned the world upside down with 12 people. You know, we don't, we don't need to... I, I won't even say that. I was going to say something about mega churches in their season. And I, I really enjoy going to some of those huge churches. I could name some for you if they'd impress you. But I, I really wonder what you can get from 12 minutes of praise and worship and 17 minutes of message once a week. I really believe that God wants us to be a family that lives together, prays together, worships together, works together. We know those who labor amongst us. And he could use all good to turn Tennessee upside down. Pensacola, when that thing happened over there, it, it was just a regular old Assembly of God church. But the world began to come. Why? Not because they were big, not because they were influential, because the presence of God came in such a special way. And you don't need to be big and impressive for the presence of God to come. You just need to be hungry. I believe during this time of breakthrough, God's going to put such a hunger in your heart that those things that you're believing for in breakthrough are going to be returned to you many times over in a hunger and a passion for him that will not be satisfied. And that pulls on his garment. Like the woman with the issue of blood, that kind of hunger pulls on him so that he turns around in heaven and says, Who touched me? And some angel will say, uh, Lord, it's... Uh, 
all good. I think that's who you are. You're a people that provoke Jesus in the midst of all that's going on in heaven, all the worship, all the prayer, all the joy, all the stuff, that you'll be such a hungry people to press through all of that, to take a hold of him so that he'll turn in heaven and say, who touched me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this life. I thank you, Lord, for vision. I thank you for provision. I thank you for the humility I already see. But, Lord, I thank you for a provision of anointing to hear what you say to see what you do, to lead and declare. I thank you for the anointing of Moses to lift the staff and say, this is the way. I thank you for the prayer life of Daniel to understand and discern the seasons. And I thank you for the heart of a shepherd like David to lead the people in righteousness. I thank you for a warring spirit to keep the wolves and the bears away. I thank you for a tenderness to gather the children. I thank you, Lord, for a knowing, a knowing that these ears hear the voice of the Father. That these eyes see into the heavenly realm. And I thank you for a confidence that comes by the anointing of your spirit. Keep this house in the palm of your hand. I thank you that this is a marriage that is undergirded in heaven. That even when the pressures of leadership come, I thank you, Lord, they cast their cares upon you. I thank you that this is a home filled with praise, peace, and joy, and righteousness. Thank you for the power of your spirit. A confidence in who you are. I thank you for the oil of gladness. Garments of praise. Healing hands. Encouraging words. heart of God for this house. Thank you, Lord. For all the years, all the lives that the locust has eaten in the past, the Lord says, I restore to you now seven times. Restore, O oh Lord. Restore. Build up the foundations. Build a house for your dwelling. Arise, O oh Lord, now you and the ark of your might. 
and we will be clothed with your righteousness. We will celebrate aloud. For the Lord is good, and he has done great things. Show off here, Lord. Show off. In Jesus' name, amen.